0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be captain over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king to Hebron, and King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord. And the Bible says very plainly here, he says, and they anointed David king over Israel. They anointed David. I want to talk to you for a little bit this morning on just a very simple subject, the anointing. The anointing. Would you lift your hands and just ask God for that this morning? Mighty God in Christ, we love you. Lord, we know that your eternal word is already anointed. It has purpose. It has spirit. Now, God, we stand before you this morning in need, asking you, Lord, for your help, asking you, God, to minister your word this morning. Touch my lips of clay today to speak what you would have to be spoken and that only. Anoint our ears this morning as the scripture declares to hear what thus saith the word of the Lord says. Help us to hear from heaven today. In the name of Jesus, somebody shout amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. That is a courtesy and not a command. Thank you for standing. The anointing. The word anoint. Anoint means to authorize or set apart a person for a particular work or service. Oftentimes, I believe, in, especially in the apostolic church, whenever we talk about anointing, uh, some of the first things that really come to our, our visual imagery is perhaps uh, preaching. And Sometimes one of the first things that we think of And uh, we oftentimes relate uh, red-faced, huffing and puffing, fast-paced, screaming, preaching, picking them up and putting them down to anointing. But screaming and being red-faced doesn't make you anointed. Uh, Granted, there's an excitement that comes in the presence of God that causes us sometimes to go fast-paced. Uh, you you kick that turbo in sometimes, and, and you do get a little red faced Some of you get red faced when you worship. That's okay. You you got to kick it in overdrive every once in a while, but that doesn't equal anointing. I can remember as a teenager going to National Youth Conference. I remember Bishop Don Johnson getting up, as he was general chairman at that time. I can remember the night that he got up to just introduce the crowd, or or to he was introduced to say something to the crowd my brother Robert Martin, and he got up, Bishop, and he didn't say a word. He sang it. And when he got up, all he did, and it was so delicate, and it was just so moving, the Holy Ghost just overwhelmed that crowd of four or 5,000 people immediately, and he said, Yes, Jesus loves me. And he began to sing that refrain through the whole chorus. And, you know, that's not particularly the song of choice for anyone probably above the age of five, normally. You know, you you don't play that in your audio in your car. Uh, You you don't just say, hey, I want to listen to Yes, Jesus Loves Me. Uh, You know it, as a matter of fact, but we, we view that as a childhood song. It wasn't anything that you would just pick out that is super powerful, that's your song of choice, that's anointed, but it was. Because God was in it. Anointing is given for a specific purpose. The Bible declares in the book of Isaiah chapter 61 and verse number 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to... Somebody say that with me this morning. Three words. Anointed me to. To do what? To preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. The anointing of God was declared to preach, to proclaim liberty, to bind up brokenness, and to open up the prison of them that are bound. Very specific purposes, very specific reasons. For being anointed. The anointed person belongs to God. The phrases the Lord's anointed, God's anointed, my anointed, your anointed, his anointed are all used of Saul in First Samuel twenty six, David in Second Samuel twenty two, and Solomon in Second Chronicles chapter six. And in 2 Corinthians in the New Testament, we see that Paul writes in chapter 1 and 21, Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. So it's clear to see this morning that you get your anointing, your calling for a specific purpose from God. The anointing that you have on your life, whether you even recognize it right now or not, is immaterial. Everybody who belongs to God has an anointing. Amen. There is a special call of God that is on your life that is something that God wants you to do. But it is a call of God. Now, don't get scared this morning. Some of you look like you've just seen a ghost. Uh, Don't don't get scared this morning when we start using phrases about the call of God on your life. That that can be as simple as you talking to the person standing next to you at work. It it doesn't have to be licensing you to go to foreign soil. It doesn't doesn't limit that. But everybody's not going to be a missionary. Everybody's not going to be a preacher. Not everybody's going to be a pastor. And every preacher is not going to be a pastor. It's just not the will of God. So there is a call of God that is on our life. If you, if you declare this morning that you are a child of God, then God has an anointing designed for you. He has a specific call designed for you. But you must understand this morning that to be the anointed of God, that that anointing must come only from God. That anointing cannot come from your pastor. That anointing doesn't come from your bishop. Don't wait on them to tell you what the will of God for your life is. That anointing doesn't come from what your peers tell you you should do. Well, I lost half of you on that one. I've had people tell me, you should do this. I can remember about a decade ago, I was preaching several revivals every weekend. My wife and I were traveling to certain cities, it seemed quite frequently, and, and, and different churches were calling us constantly to come in. And, and we were just taking it as it goes. Uh, Bishop had always taught us, if God opens a door, you walk through it. So there was a door, we just walked through it. We didn't have any intentions. We didn't have any motive. We was just doing what God had asked of us to do. Well, it, the, the well ran dry quick. When they found out that they wasn't going to persuade me to do what they thought I should do. I'm just being transparent with you this morning. I want to use myself as an example to, to give you a lesson this morning. Uh, I, say, I can remember the night. I don't remember the date, but I remember the setting. I remember the restaurant. I remember what seat I was sitting in. And, and that, that beloved pastor, I still love him. I think he's a good man. But I can remember the night that he sat there and he tried to convince me to evangelize and tried to convince me to join the evangelist department And tried to, he used all kinds of flowers and and our musical talent and singing and and how that could just be a a good blessing of God for the road and people needed that and, and it all sounded good and great. And I looked at him, I said, That sounds good, but that's not the call of God for me. Knocked the wind out of his cell. I wasn't trying. But you cannot be tossed to and fro. That's the Bible. That's not Brother Mason. The Bible says that we, we, we are not to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Now I realize it points specifically to doctrine, but there's some things there you can follow parallel to life in general. Don't be persuaded by everything everybody says. Because just because somebody says it don't mean it's true. Just because the internet advertises it don't mean it's right. I hope you've learned that by now. So, he, he was very kind in return. We were very kind, but I was very kind in telling him that, uh, that my position was... That if the door opened, I would preach. If the door didn't open, I did not feel an urgency from God to push out onto the road. We were working in our local church. We were happy with that. We were content with that. Uh, if anything, I've, I've, I've told uh, my leaders over the year. if anything, I've been too content. Uh, I'm, I'm just fine. But that bothers some people. I've lost friends, friendships in the ministry over that because of people that couldn't persuade me to come to their church or evangelize or go pastor here. All right? Because they wanted to give me an anointing. If an anointing is defined as a specific person for a uh, a specific purpose, then they wanted to give me a purpose. And as soon as I did not follow suit with their purpose, my phone stopped ringing. In the last ten years, I've been back to that assembly maybe three times. And that's okay. If they call me tonight, I'll set a date and we'll go. And we'll smile like a basket full of chipmunks. But the point is, your anointing, regardless of what it is, must only come from God. It cannot come from another. Your ability to do something in the service of God comes from God. I believe that there are two different types of acts by God. And we've we've heard one of these in particular over the years from Bishop and that is that God doesn't use your ability but He uses your availability. There are people that I know that do things for God that because of obedience that in their natural personality, they would have never done. And that's that's a God thing. Uh, Very few of you know my brother, but when my brother accepted the call of God to preach, I was dumbfounded. (laughs) Dumbfounded. I was already married, moved away, talking to mom and dad on the phones, and guess what, your brother preached tonight. I said, do what? Because his his personality type is to sit back in the corner. Matter of fact, at my my father's church, uh, it's a smaller assembly. The the ceilings are are very short, especially on the platform. And he would play the bass guitar, still does. And there's a little corner back in in behind. And he ducks in behind that corner. It's not that he's embarrassed. He just don't want to be seen. He he doesn't need attention. He, he really doesn't. He, he's not looking for a pat on the back. He's not looking to say anything. But when he worships, he's putting on a robe of a new man. Watch out, cuz his boots allow him to fly off of his foot somewhere. I saw him in worship one night in the hill. Off the end of his dress shoe had come loose from the sole. And that thing ripped right off and it soared over a lady's head who was dancing in worship. And it was, I tell you, it was a God thing. Nobody got a bloody nose out of it. He was a dancing and he, he's a big guy. And he was a dancing and, and, and huckabucking and shaking and his feet were just a moving. And the momentum of that thing, man, it just... It just goes to show you, you're not going to get hurt in worship. You're not going to get hurt in worship. You're going to be all right. But that's not his personality. His personality is very quiet, very, very meager. Yeah, all, almost, almost to the extent of just letting people run over him. Uh, until he gets mad. Then it's too late. But his personality type takes a second seat to the call of God. So God does use you in ways where that you might think that he can't. To those of you this morning that say, Pastor, I I, I believe what you're saying and I support you, but I can't do that. Um, Yeah, you can. It's okay, I don't expect you to say amen. (laughs) But yeah, you can. Pastor, I can't teach a home Bible study. That's not me. Yeah, you can. Pastor, I could never teach a Sunday school class. Yeah, yeah, you can. You can't see it now. But God can. When you look in the mirror today, you only see today. When you look in the reflection of God today, He sees tomorrow. So, yes, God does use you in areas where that you are not equipped. But alternatively, I do believe that God takes people who have certain strengths and abilities and uses those for His glory. So there is a nice blend. But regardless, your call and your anointing must be declared by God. If you can play a musical instrument, that doesn't mean that you're called of God to be a professional musician. It doesn't. If you can, I'll use myself for an example. If you can preach, or if you're called of God to preach, that doesn't mean you're called to pastor. Is that all right? Regardless of what anybody else says. I'm just taking my time this morning because I want it to soak in. I want to provoke you to thinking this morning. Your call of God is between God and you. But it takes you to obey. Amen. Bishop can't do it for you. Pastor can't do it. As a matter of fact, it's not necessarily, and and hear this clearly this morning, if God speaks to them or any other man of God and, and they declare unto you prophetically what God's will is for your life, then take it. Take it. Whether you like it or not, take it. Because that just don't happen. As a teenager, I can remember Pastor seeking out certain men that I respected, and, and trying my best to to get a conversation. Or I'd, I'd tell them how I was feeling and, and 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 you know what what my heart was and where my mind was. And man, I wanted them to tell me you're, you're called to preach. I, I wanted it easy. I'm going to be honest with you. It's it's twenty something years ago, so I can be honest now. I, I wanted it the easy way. I didn't want to have to figure it out myself. I wanted them to be able to tell me, hey, those are the signs right there, Bubba. You're called to preach. Just accept it. But it didn't happen that way. I, I, went, I went to Pastor David Acres when he was evangelizing, talked to him. Bishop, I was 14 years old. Now you know I didn't preach my first message in this church till I was about 18. But at 14 years old, I was feeling the call of God. And... I just couldn't figure it out I was too stupid I guess I just couldn't get it clear in my mind And I was talking to him after church one night And I wanted him so bad to tell me You're called to preach Just go ahead And he's looked at me and he says Have you talked to your pastor yet? Well my pastor was my dad I already knew That the night I got the Holy Ghost That my mother was so happy but so concerned that that meant God was going to take me. Don't ask me why. I don't know. It was just my mom. That the last thing in the world I wanted to do was tell her I felt like I was called to God to preach. She thought rapture was going to take place then. (laughs) I don't know. But he knocked the wind out of my cell. Brother Mike, have you talked to your pastor? What's he think about this? Well, no, I haven't talked to him yet. Well, you need to do that. And he gave me some words of encouragement and some words of advice, but he never did tell me what the call of God was. I can remember, yeah, it was a very wise man. I can remember another gentleman who was evangelizing. I don't know why people go after evangelists. <laughs> I've been guilty as charged, okay? I'm not criticizing. but People go after evangelists sometimes because they think they can get an answer from him they can't get from their pastor. And if they're both preaching for the same God, you're going to get the same answer. I didn't come to preach about that, though, so we'll leave that alone. I I, I approached this gentleman who was close to my age after church, and he looked at me before I ever said a word. He he was used in the gifts, used in prophecy. He said, are you a preacher? I said, I don't know. That's exactly what I said, because that was why I was there to talk to him. He said, well, I can't answer that for you but I can tell you this. And then he proceeded to tell me some things. Well, I got a word from God, but it wasn't necessarily what I went for. Let me tell you something this morning. You're always going to hear from God. God will never, the Bible says He'll never leave you comfortless. He'll never leave you answerless. He will always answer your problems and your questions. But are you willing to take the answer? That's the question. Because oftentimes our hearing, don't, we don't hear the word no. It's that way in our natural life. You tell some people no, it's like they didn't even hear you. You tell your children no. It's like they don't even translate, doesn't compute. They don't speak that language. No's in a different language. Or they think that no... We had an evangelist here one time said no meant yes in their language, in their foreign soil, something like that. So I think they're trying to translate that here in English. Your call has to come from God. He which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. God hath called us to an anointing that no one can deny. When God calls you to an anointing, no one can deny it. And you're going to live a miserable life, let me tell you this morning, you're going to live a miserable life having a call of God labeled to your back and not operating in it. Because you're constantly going to be in church and when you start feeling that anointing, when you start feeling that spirit and presence and power of God in worship, then you're going to constantly be butting your head spiritually up against a, 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 a roof line, a brick wall, whatever you want to call it, where that you're going to be frustrated because I want to worship God freely but I'm bound by something that I'm not doing. Yes, sir. Right. Come on. To not obey God puts you in bondage. Because you are restricted by that which you're not doing. You're restricted in your mind. You're constantly reminded by the fact, no, I don't want to do it. And you're constantly reminded, no, I don't want to do it. So your worship is off focus. Your life is out of balance. And all you've got to do in the presence of God is say yes. However, Saying yes means saying yes to that which God wants you to do. It's easy for us to say yes to the things we want to do. It's easy to have what you perceive a calling should be. That is automatic. Yes, I'll say yes to that. I'll promote it. I'll I'll pass out flyers and put advertisements up because, yeah, that's what I want to do. But if that's not what God has asked of you, then that's not what you need to be saying yes to. Priests and kings and prophets were anointed. Oil was poured on the head of the person being anointed. In Exodus chapter 29 and 7, the Bible says, Then shalt thou take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. Kings were set apart through the ritual of anointing, performed by a prophet. Jesus, as the Messiah, was described as anointed. In the New Testament, anointing was frequently used in connection with healing. The Spirit of God's activities in a believer's life are pictured in terms of anointing. Jesus, in Mark 6, anointed the sick, the sick. In James chapter 5, he instructed the elders of the church, and we do that around here, the elders of the church to anoint the sick with oil. You are anointing a person for a specific purpose. It's a physical anointing. You're touching them with oil. You're imparting something. You've got to be careful who you lay hands on. Because every time you lay hands on somebody, you're spiritually imparting something to them. And if your life if your life's not what it should be, and God hasn't called you to lay hands on the sick, you're imparting something to them that they don't need. The elders of the church are to lay hands on the sick. And the Bible says they shall recover. So anointing is very special. Anointing is very sacred. And there are varying types of anointings. There's that physical oil drop on the forehead for healing. And then there's the anointing, the call of God to a person for a specific purpose. Somebody say amen. Amen. So this anointing is not only for kings. It's not only for preachers and prophets. It's for everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. The anointing occurs physically with the substance of oil, but it is also spiritual. As the Spirit of God anoints a person's heart and mind with the love and truth of God. In our scripture text, David is being anointed king of all Israel. He's, He's now, up to this point, he's been king over a portion. But now he's being anointed king over all of Israel. David is one of the most prominent figures in the history of the world. He's a mountain peak among Bible characters. The most famous ancestor of Jesus Christ. If you'll pay special note this morning that Jesus is not referred to as the son of Abraham. He's not referred to as the son of Jacob. Jesus is referred to as the son of David. The life of David was a strange mixture of good and evil. It was filled with noble deeds, fine aspirations, and splendid accomplishments, yet it was stained with gross sins. No Bible character more fully illustrates the moral range of our human nature than that of the life of King David. It seems impossible this morning to conceive that the man who wrote the 23rd Psalm could also write the 51st Psalm. Or let me rephrase that. That the man who wrote the 23rd Psalm would need to write the 51st Psalm. But David illustrates this moral range of character that we all still illustrate today in 2012. And that is that we are apt to our mistakes. And let me address this for just a moment this morning. We are not perfect. And if you're new here this morning, and let me define new as perhaps being less than two years, anybody else should already know that. But if you don't, you've got a good opportunity today to figure it out. But if you're newer this morning in church and newer to God, I want you to understand today that, that while you're not perfect, you're still saved. Now, I'm not writing you a blank check that says it's okay to mess up. But when you mess up, hear me this morning, when you mess up and make mistakes, whether they are sins of the mind or sins of the physical body, when you mess up, instead of quitting, because that's what Satan's attempts are about, is to get you to quit. He doesn't want God's plan of salvation for man being active in your life. When you mess up Hear me today Because you're going to Look at David Because David A man after God's own heart Is still a declaration Of what salvation can be In your life Oh somebody clap to the Lord This morning There's an anointing of God Hallelujah David did the unthinkable I'm not criticizing David I like David let me tell you why I like David because David David's not I love the whole word of God so please don't misinterpret me this morning but David's not this larger than life guy that you don't ever see mess up I mean there are some Bible characters that I, I really wish brother Terry I wish we had more of the story they, they couldn't have been that good. We, we only see the, the, the cream of the crop. But there, there's other stories there of their life that, that just aren't, that God didn't consider to be necessary. But David, and I believe it's illustrated for a reason today, David had gross sins in his life. David often did the unthinkable in his life. I would say in today's language, there's times David just didn't think. I like David. I'll tell you why I like David so much. I like him because he reminds me of us. He reminds me of just, just, just a plain old ordinary man in a king's robe who was apt to mistake, apt to error, but one thing David never did, he never served our idol gods. And the reason why David always had passage back to God was because he never stopped worshiping Him. So If you want to understand anything today, understand, that yes, you're going to mess up. You're going to trip over yourself sometime, and it's not going to be anybody else's fault but yours. But if you will stay pure to God in your worship, God will keep an open passage between you and Him. Salvation's blood flow will still cover you. But the moment you turn your worship off, because that's our inclination. Often, when when we're going the wrong direction, our inclination is either to not come to church, or we'll come to church, but I'm not doing anything. You turn your worship off; you've just turned off your grace. Amen. But David, David is being anointed king, youngest of eight sons. Worked in his young life as a humble shepherd. David's first anointing as a young man, as a teenager. David was first anointed by the prophet of God to be the successor of Saul. I want you to follow this this morning. David was anointed, if if we follow it historically, he was was in the age range somewhere between 15 and 19. And he's being anointed to be the king. There's still a king. Now where some of us would mess up right there is is we'd walk straight up to the king and say, get off your perch, buddy. I've just been anointed. Your anointing. I hope I can get this out the way it's in my spirit this morning. Your anointing may be on your life, but it may not be for today. Hang on to your anointing. Don't give up on your call. There will be a day that God will open the door for your anointing. Maybe you are the next home Bible study director. And maybe you just don't want to tell anybody right now. Because you're afraid that you're going to have a class schedule for the following Monday. And perhaps that's alright today. But hold on to what God has given you. Don't let go of it on the auspice of saying that's not me. Hang on to it because somewhere between now and that revelation, God is going to make that you. David was anointed for his calling, but not at that time to fulfill his calling. His time was not yet, and there is a difference. If you do not understand the call of God, if you do not understand the anointing of God you will become frustrated with having an anointing that you can't do anything with. God anointed David. David was aware that his, what his anointing was for but it was years later years later that he was able to fulfill the anointing that God had given him as a young man. The son of Saul whom Abner proclaimed king after Saul's death. His name was ish The tribe of Judah proclaimed David after the death of Saul and Jonathan at Gilboa, but the 11 other tribes remained loyal to Saul's family. His name meant man of shame. He was a man of shame, and he was not the man for the job. But that was not David's call. That was God's call. There are going to be occasions where that you have an anointing that perhaps whatever, whatever the office is, that you know you're the one for the job. But if God hasn't opened up the timing yet, you're not. Saul's dynasty ended with Ishbosheth's death. The shame was over. And David was anointed king. David now is obtaining, in our scripture text reading this morning, a fresh anointing. He's already been anointed for his calling, but now he's been anointed to fulfill his calling. There was a freshness of the power of God being imparted in David's life through that physical anointing. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning we need a fresh anointing. We need a fresh impartation of the power of God in our lives we need we need to not forget the importance of worship when we come to church. I, I, I don't I don't care he, hear me hear me plainly this morning. I don't I don't care if you come down front or if you go to the back and you're standing in the doorway. Worship. Worship. Not because we're up here singing and playing, and not because we're up here directing and emceeing the service not because of anything anybody is or is not or is doing, but because worship is your open passageway between you and God. And the moment you turn off worship, you've turned off your anointing. If anointing is a specific calling and purpose, you turn off worship, which is what kept David alive. If David hadn't been a worshiper... Nathan's prophecy perhaps could have been true David's life would have been taken The lineage in the line of David through to Jesus Christ would have been destroyed Yeah, God would have chose somebody else That's his business But he had a good design going And he used grace to illustrate that design David wasn't perfect But yet God called him a man after my own heart I want you to understand clearly this morning Because I feel the Holy Ghost today There's a sweetness in this this sanctuary this morning. I want you to understand, in your mistakes, you are still the apple of God's eye. In your mistakes, if you keep worship active in your life and you keep an openness between you and God, in your mistakes and in your failures, God is still willing and able to forgive, to cover, to forget, and to help you in the time of need. Stand with me this morning, if you would, please. The anointing. Ma, we need it. Oh, let lift our hands right now and just talk to the Lord. Oh, if you've walked away from your anointing this morning, this is a good time to come back to it. Hallelujah. Father, we need Your anointing. You've got a specific call. You've got a specific purpose for every person this morning. You know, Lord, what that is. Reveal it in worship. God, help us to hang on to it.